Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. You have the same task that all of us have as followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to bring glory to God, even in the midst of the good times, the bad times, through our marriages, through our singleness, through our uh, diagnosis, through our financial crisis, through all of it, to bring glory to God. Thankfulness. Most of us understand the importance of being thankful, especially to God, but it's not always easy, is it? Sometimes in life, it's hard to be thankful for some things. We know we're supposed to, we we know we should, but sometimes it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we're finishing up a message that Pastor Clay began last week from 1 Peter chapter 1, where we find out that there are some things that we can and should thank God for. Today, we're going back to 1 Peter chapter 1 to look at a few items that we should thank God for, and I preface it by saying that there are some things that it's sometimes hard to thank God for. What we're going to hear is a reminder to all of us that an attitude of gratitude is critical for experiencing a life of joy. Let's dive right in. I want to share a story with you uh, that I, I, I think Cindy kind of thought I told this before, but uh, it, it, it's been, I think it's been a number of years, so uh, in my advanced age, I, I, I can forget, and it's hard to say for sure. But when I was, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I was in high school yet, I may have been a freshman in high school, but my, uh, my uh, next brother in line, uh, Ashley, I'm the youngest of four uh, children, uh, then came Ashley, and he was two and a half years older than me, and it was, it was either, it was like the summer before his senior year, and uh, my dad says to me one day, he says, come on, that's what my dad said a lot, come on, he didn't, he didn't explain a lot, he said, come on, so I uh, went with him to, it must, my mom must have been there too, because we, we uh, drove from Okeechobee, uh, Florida, to Vero Beach, Florida, to a car dealership, so that my dad could buy my brother, Ashley, a new car. A brand spanking new car. And he did. Brand spanking new car. A 1974 AMC Gremlin. Three on the floor. Three on the floor. And I, I didn't have, I didn't have my... my uh, permit or anything, but my, my dad, he said, you, you drive home, so we're driving home, and uh, the whole time, I'm thinking, this is awesome, this is awesome, because when we get home, Ashley has to be excited about getting a new car, he's just gotten a new car from his dad, but it's a gremlin, <laughs> how is he going to handle this, how is he going to react to this, this is going to be the coolest thing in the world, so, sometimes in life, it's hard to be thankful for some things. We know we're supposed to, we, we know we should, but sometimes it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? Today, we're going back to 1 Peter chapter 1 to look at a few items that we should thank God for. And I preface it by saying that there are some things that it's sometimes hard to thank God for. Open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you brought a copy of God's Word with you, it'll be up on the screen as well, of course. You can, uh, you can use your phone or your iPad as well. Might as well uh, get off uh, Facebook market for a while and, and look, at, look at that. That'd be coming handy. Nothing won't wait till after the service anyway. 
First Peter chapter 1. Man, I, I love y'all. love y'all very much. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father God, again today, I ask that you would take this word, which is truth without any mixture of air, that you would, uh, as the great physician, cut out of our lives the things that do not belong, so into our lives that, that do belong. Use your word to bring its effect to each person. Meet each one of us where we are. Because one thing I've learned, Lord God, each of us are something in our life. Something going on, some place, some station, some uncertainty, some doubt, some fear. Speak to us through your word, and we'll be quick to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some things, some things it's easy to thank God for, right? We, we covered three of those last week, just to, just to remind you, if you happen to be here or if you were not here, just to remind you, one of the things we said is that we can thank God, you can thank God for the title that you wear. Peter uh, starts, opens, opens his book by, saying, by reminding us or calling us, referring to us as aliens. And I, and I brought up last week, you, you saw several different translations. Peripodemois is the Greek word. Aliens, strangers, foreigners, sojourners, all different kinds of people translated different ways. Every single one of those are absolutely accurate because peripodemois means to be a temporary resident in a foreign land. And Peter says, that's what you are if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a temporary resident in a foreign land. You are an alien. You are a stranger. You are a sojourner. You are just passing through this land. And you and I need to thank God for that title. Because it is a very precious title. And it reminds us that, you know what? I I need to make sure that, that I do, in a sense, look like an alien that I do stand out a bit, that, that people recognize that there's something different about this person's life. Uh, they're still just as screwy as the rest of us. They still make mistakes like the rest of us. They're still imperfect like the rest of us. But man, there's something about it. There's this peace that they have. There's this assurance they seem to have. There's this joy that they seem to have in their life. There must be something different about them. I think that's part of what Peter is saying to us. You're an alien. You're just passing through. Don't forget that. This is not your home. And so uh, he, he, uh, he reminded us, or I reminded you from, from John chapter 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he said they, meaning his disciples, those who would follow Jesus Christ, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. That's a good reminder 
You, you have, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a title. And you can thank God for it. Here's the second idea that we shared last week. Thank God for the trophy that you are. Now, I, I won't read it all again in verse 2 and 3, uh, because we did that last week, but I just read it a moment ago, and you heard that, that idea that Peter brings up, and Peter uses that phrase, born again. Of course, we know that he got that from Jesus, John chapter 3, where Jesus said to Nicodemus, this, this really nice guy, this very religious guy, this guy that believed in Jesus in the, in the concept that he did, and Jesus, of course, looked right at him and he says, that's not enough, Nicodemus. You must be, and Jesus was the first, as far as I know, the first one that used that phrase, you must be born again. You were born physically, Nicodemus, there must now be this spiritual birth, a second birth, uh, so to speak. And Peter picks up on that here, and he's reminding us that we are born again, and he makes it clear that we're born again, not by anything that we have done, but by, purely by the grace of God and what, what he has done, what he has accomplished on the cross. And so that makes us trophies of his grace thank god that i don't have to earn my salvation because i'm telling you something i would fall flat on my face I, I i wouldn't make it i wouldn't even be close but god redeemed me god paid that price when he came and he died on the cross proving it from by the resurrection of the dead and so you are a trophy of god's grace and you should thank god we should thank god for that and then the third idea that we shared last week was thank god for the treasure you received. Again, there in verse 4 and 5, where Peter goes in, he's pretty elaborate about that, but he, he, he gives all these descriptive words when he says that this treasure is, is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, it's reserved. Every one of those, those alpha primitives on the front end of, that, of those Greek words saying uh, it's perishable, defiled, fading. That, that's the world, right? The stuff in this world is perishable. It, it's defiled by the, by the sin curse. It's, it's fading. But, but no, not, not what you have. What you have in heaven is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and bonus, it's reserved in heaven for you, kept by the very power of God, Peter says. Man, that's the treasure that you have as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's something to thank God about, I think, I would say. So, those are the ones that I would say last week you looked at. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's easy. I, I, I like that. that that's it. But as I said a few moments ago, there are some things that's not always easy to thank God for. Let's just jump right into one of those, shall we? Thank God for the trials you face. <laughs> not a single amen in the whole place. Y'all call yourself Baptist. Verse 6, in this... You greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. In this, you greatly rejoice. In what? In what Peter has just described in verses 4 and 5. In this treasure that, that is kept, reserved, undefiled, preserved, all this kind of stuff, all those descriptive words that he uses. And it is in the reality of that that you rejoice. Rejoice. In this, you greatly rejoice. That is, not an, that is not an imperative command, by the way. Peter's not ordering you to rejoice. I mean, it I, doesn't really work that way, does it? I mean, I, I guess you could. Have joy. That's an order. Doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. 
No, Peter's not ordering us to have joy. Peter's reminding us of why we can have joy even in the midst of the trial. And he says the reason that you can have joy is because of the prospect of what will be. That's, that's what he says. Because in this, in what I just talked about, in this treasure that's, that's kept and undefiled and uncorrupted and reserved in heaven for you, because of that, that's the prospect of what will be in the midst of your trials. And listen to me. Everybody has them. As I like to say, nobody gets to collect $200 around the board every time. Nobody gets to get out of jail. For, you understand what I'm saying? Everybody has trials, everybody has problems, everybody has difficulties. They vary in their frequency and their intensity and all that kind of stuff. They rise, they come, they go, all that kind of stuff. But everybody has them. I'm not making light of, the, of, of whatever your particular circumstance or trial or difficulty might be at this point in your life. I'm just saying to you what Peter is saying, and that is, is that you, if, if, you can, if you can lift your gaze, lift your focus, lift your attention, lift your your uh, thought process off of what is to what will be that you can find joy. You can rejoice greatly even though you're in the middle of this and it may be a tornado. But even in the midst of it, if you can, if you can turn away from that and, and gaze on what will be, which obviously requires eyes of faith, that you can, you can have joy even in the midst of the trial. You can thank God for the trial because it's reminding you of what will be. That, by the way, Apostle Paul kind of picks up on the same idea in Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ. In other words, if, if, you've, come into, if you've come to know Christ, you're saved. You've, if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ. If you've been born again, as Peter says, to this living hope. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, watch this now, keep seeking. Notice the the present continuous tense. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, a.k.a. trials, difficulties, hardships. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Coming back to all that idea of the dying to self, and so I'm living for him, and, and, and because I'm living for him, uh, I've committed my life to him. I, there's this treasure, there's this thing that, that is yet to be. I haven't realized it yet. I, I, perhaps I, I haven't seen, certainly not the full realization of it yet, but I can have joy in my life even now because of what will be. See, Peter and Paul are in complete, perfect agreement on this, that it's a matter of, of taking my focus off of what is to what will be. And here's the deal. To do that requires, requires us to do an act of spiritual discipline. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but most Americans hate discipline. We hate the idea of being disciplined about something. We, we struggle with that, I'll, I'll say that. We can often struggle with being disciplined and, and spiritually speaking, if you want to have victory in this area of your life, if you want to be able to, to, to rejoice, to in this we greatly rejoice, in this, this uh, grace and peace beyond measure, as he says in verse 2, the only way that can possibly happen in the midst of a trial is if, is if I choose, if I choose to, to spiritually focus on what will be instead of what is in my life. And so, there's this spiritual 
choice that you have to make, and I have to make. You have to turn away from that focus, and you, listen to me, you have to talk to yourself. You have to talk to yourself uh, and remind yourself that, what, that all this is is passing away, and what is is eternal. It's reserved. It's kept. It's there. And because of that, I can rejoice even though I'm in this right now. You've got to talk to yourself. Now, I've had people say, well, I, what, what, do I, what do I say to myself? I don't know. I don't know. You, you, might, you might say something like what Peter's saying here. Uh, this is the way I put it. I put it like this. This is not my home. I'm only passing through, and these circumstances are passing away, so I'm going to pass on fear, doubt, and anxiety. I'm going to pass on that stuff. I will not entertain them because something far better is coming. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have waiting for me. You understand what I'm saying? There's a change of the focus to, to not, to, instead of, and right, and the problem is this, this stuff is always clamoring for our attention, right? Hey, hey, pay attention to me. You hate, uh, I'm giving you a crummy job. Hey, hey, pay attention to this bad diagnosis that you've gotten. Hey, hey, pay attention to me. Uh, your, your kids have gone insane. Hey, hey, pay, right? You know, all this stuff, all this stuff. And it, it's, it, it's, just, it's just grabbing our attention. It's clamoring for us. And so I have to say, no. No, I will not. I will not entertain this. And I, and I encourage people all the time. I don't care if, if people in the cubicle, cubicle next to you think you're insane. Just say it out loud. Just speak out. Say, nope, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to hear this. I, I, I'm, I, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. These, these trials are going to pass away. So I'm going to pass on fear and anxiety and, and, and helplessness and hopelessness. and all. I'm going to pass on all that stuff. And this is more than just power of positive thinking kind of stuff, okay? Because, because what you have, just done, what you have done, just done is infused the Spirit of God into your life by speaking that truth that comes from God. So here's what you have to do. Let me put it this way. You have to choose to focus on God's promise instead of your pro- pro- problem. And, and nobody, listen, nobody's going to make you do that. You understand? We're all big boys and girls in here. Nobody's going to make you do that. You have to choose. To focus on God's promise instead of your problem. But if you'll do that, God promises that you can rejoice greatly because of what will be. Here's another reason that you can, that you can rejoice greatly uh, in the midst of your trial. Here's, here's another reason it gives. Because of production from what is now. Peter says that this, this, this trial that you're going through, even though for a little while, he says, you may have to experience various uh, trials. You may have to go through all of this stuff. It's this promise that comes that God is working something together uh, that is accomplishing a purpose that ultimately is for an eternal good, even though for right now. In other words, God's taking what is now and he's using it for something then. And so now I can focus and I can actually rejoice, have joy even in the midst of this because I can say, well, I, this, I, I, don't, I don't like this, but I like what God's doing with it. I like how he's going to, listen, God is going to, in his sovereignty, knows that he's never going to allow anything to come into my life except those things that if I will trust him, he can take them to build up even greater treasure, whatever all that might be in heaven, however all that's defined, that, that it might work out even better for my eternal uh, destination, however that's all going to look like, what all that's going to look like, are you kidding me? This is what God's going to do with my uh, mess right here, right now? He says, yes, Peter says, yes, that's, that's exactly what he'll do if you'll just 
if you'll, if you'll trust him to do it. I, I read the story about a, a teenage girl who was visiting her, her grandmother, her Grammy. And uh, she, was, she was just at the kitchen uh, counter one day and, and her, and her uh, grandmother was getting ready to make a cake or a pie or something. So we had all the ingredients out to make this uh, cake or pie or whatever it was. What do y'all want it to be, a cake or a pie? All right. It, it was a, a ka-pie. <laughs> I may have just invented something. I'm not, I'm not sure. Anyway, all these ingredients are out. And, um, and the granddaughter is just, she's just whining. Y'all ever experience that? We, yeah, whining? I'm not, I'm not, by the way, insinuating that's exclusive only to daughters. Uh, as, as having raised three boys, I, I know that they can do some whining. So, uh, but she just wants, no, you know, nothing's going right in her life. Her parents are way too strict, uh, which, you know, that's unfair to bring up to your grandparents because grandparents, we're, we're never strict. We just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Six pounds of chocolate, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. We're not, so... Uh, it, it, her parents are way too strict and uh, she only had like 12 followers on Twitter and uh, it, it, her teacher it, it was, was picking on her intentionally. She knew she had to be and uh, you know, all this just, just, yeah, all this stuff just, just going on in her life, right? And all this stuff and I know it seems a little bit, that, that can happen to 14, 15, 16 year old young ladies. Uh, it's, some, it's drama can happen. I've, I've heard drama can happen. And so all this stuff is going on and, uh, and her grandmother's just listening, and, she, and finally Grammy says, you know, well, I'm sorry about all of that. Listen, would you, would you like something? Would you like a snack? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd like a snack. And so uh, Grammy's got her measuring cup right there, and she, she pours about a half a cup of cooking oil in it. And she says, well, here you go, darling. Here, 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 here. And she's like, Grammy? Yuck. That, no, I don't want that. And so she reaches over, and she gets a couple. She, well, here's a couple of raw eggs. How about a couple of raw eggs? Says, ah, no. No, it may have been good for Rocky, but not for me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And she, and she takes like a, a teaspoon of baking powder. Does that go in a cake? Kapai? Hands, hands, and so here's some baking. And she's like, Grammy, what is wrong with you? Those things are terrible. And a very wise Grammy said, yes, dear, by themselves, they're all terrible. But when you put them in the right order and you add a little heat, something very delicious comes from it. And the same is true for God and the purpose in our lives and the things that go on in our lives in the midst of it. And we say, what in the world is going on? Why would God allow this to happen in my life? Why is this happening? And God is saying that he is working something out for us that has eternal value to it if we will trust him in the middle of that. Again, the Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Isn't that the same thing Peter's saying? Eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Come on. Temporal, temporary, passing away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why Peter says, even in the midst of all of that, you can rejoice greatly. You can thank God for it. Let me say this before I, before I go on, because I, I don't want anybody to leave here with the wrong idea. When I say, when Peter says, rejoice greatly, even though you're having to go through this trial, 
Peter is not implying, and I am not implying, that you should like your trial. You understand what I'm saying? He's not saying that you should enjoy your trial. I'd, I'd, put it, I'd put it like this. Having joy in the trial doesn't mean you enjoy the trial. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not, God is not expecting you to say, well, praise God, I got that terrible diagnosis. <laughs> Hallelujah, I, am, I feel so good about that. God is not asking us to say, thank you, sir, may I have another? That's, that, that's not what this is about. This is not, this is not about enjoying the trial. This is about, by faith, rejoicing, having joy that God is accomplishing something in the trial. So that while the trial may stink, I may hate it, I may want out of it so bad, but because by faith I believe God that is using and working in it, I can, I can find, I can say, all right, God, I'm gonna, I can trust you in this. And this amazing thing can happen in your life that you can find in the middle, in the middle of the whirlwind, you can find peace, confidence, hope, even in the midst of what's going on. All right, real quickly, let me give you one more. One more thing to thank God for. Thank God for the task you have. Verse 7. Listen to this. Now listen to this. So that, all these trials, all the kind of stuff, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, by the way. It's just street paving material in heaven, by the way. Which is, more, which is more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. Can anybody say amen to that? You know what it is to be tested by fire? May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can, can I just say this? The greatest athlete in the world, the most powerful politician, the most famous uh, Hollywood movie star, the, the, the wealthiest uh, entrepreneur in the world, they've wasted their lives in comparison to the simple, plain, perhaps even obscure man or woman who lives their life to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Whatever it is you do, do whether you're a homemaker, whether you work in a factory, or whether you teach, or whether you, whatever it all, all it is that you do, and at times you think, uh, I, no, nobody even knows. I mean, that, what difference am I even making? What, how does this even matter? I can tell you that if you're living your life to glorify God, you are accomplishing purposes far greater than anyone that would, that would live for themselves. This is the twofold purpose, if you will, of, of the trials, even as we are, we are here. Our faith, this is what it is, our faith is purified and our God is glorified. That is the, that is the purpose of the, of the task that we have been given. For our faith, though tested by fire, comes through more purified. You all know what happens when, when heat is, is added to something, how it, it removes the, the impurities and that sort of thing. Your, your faith is purified. You know, I've discovered this to be true in my uh, many years of living. I have discovered that my faith rarely grows when I'm on prosperity lane. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, everything's going right. The, the kids are getting good grades. The dog's behaving. Twinkies are back. You know, it, when, when everything's going good, I, I rarely find that my faith has much of any uh, growth to it. But boy, make a sudden turn down uh, Trouble Avenue, 
You know what I'm saying? And isn't that the place where God, God takes us then and he stretches us and he molds us. And when we turn to him, we trust him and we see God doing something so that we come out on the other end of it. And, and listen, I, I, I have it on good authority. You're going to come out on the other end of it. However, when, whenever, however, God, you're going to come out on the other end of it. That you'll find your strength stronger, purer. And you'll find your God glorified. And if you, listen, I don't care what you, oh, I don't care what you do. You have the same task, the same purpose in life that I have, and that is to bring glory to God. Uh, in the late 1940s, uh, Samuel Beckett, I think it was a, a playwright by the name of Samuel Beckett, wrote a, a play called uh, Waiting for Godot. It is considered a classic uh, today, although I've never uh, seen it. I'm not usually much of a play guy, but um, it's considered a classic today. Maybe some of you ha- have seen it. Uh, in the play... Uh, two, two uh, characters, um, Vladimir and Estragon, are standing on a, basically an empty stage. Just Vladimir and Estragon and one uh, tree, leafless tree. And they just stand there. Pretty much the entire play, they just stand there. A lot of times with their hands in their pockets, staring at each other, staring at the sky, staring at nothing. There's a little bit of dialogue, a little bit of conversation uh, within the play, but most of it is pointless, meaningless, has very little uh, carrying of the story at all. Each day of the play, in the play, as each day ends, one of them says, well, uh, perhaps tomorrow Godot will come. And then it just goes right on. They're just standing, looking around, staring, nothing. And when the, when the play in- comes to an end, comes to a close, there's Vladimir and Estragon still standing on the stage, still staring at nothing, still waiting for Godot. And on, the, uh, on one of the anniversaries, like the 25th, some big, 25th anniversary of the play, uh, somebody asked uh, the playwright, asked Beckett, said, now will you tell us who Godot is? His reply was, how should I know? I, I don't know whether he intended it or not, but I can tell you this. Waiting for Godot is a metaphor for how a lot of people spend their lives. Just, just waiting, just marking time, just trying to get through enough of it till I can lay down again tonight and get up tomorrow and do it again and go through my routine and my frustrations and my whatever. Just, just waiting, just waiting. I want to say to you how different, how different is the task for those who have committed their life to Jesus Christ that have purpose and meaning in their life to live for the glory of God through good times or bad times, through trials or through prosperity, whatever it might be, to be able to glorify God through the midst of that uh, carries an eternal weight of glory with it so that, that we, we, might be, we might be waiting, but we, we might be looking, but as Paul uh, says to Titus in uh, Titus chapter 2, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's this guy, I don't know him, but this guy named Matt Healy who uh, was a uh, participant in uh, this circus side show. This was a number of years ago. I don't know whether he still does it or not, but uh, he, he was in this kind of this, like what they call a, a sideshow circus, all kinds of sideshow type events. And he was interviewed one time by uh, the Riverfront Times. It was a newspaper in St. Louis uh, about you know, this, this career that he has. And, uh, and Matt Healy said this. 
He said, when you find yourself eating light bulbs for a living, you know you've made some bad career moves. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I don't care what your career is. I don't, I don't care what you do. I don't care whether you go into the Army, the Navy, or any other branch force. I don't care if you go to college. I don't care if, if, you, if you work as a tradesman or if, if you work as a... I, it does, it does, what I'm telling you is you have the same task that all of us have as followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to bring glory to God even in the midst of the good times, the bad times, through our marriages, through our singleness, through our uh, diagnosis, through our financial crisis, through all of it, to bring glory to God. That's, that's the calling. That's the calling. Let me say this to you. I've got to close. I want to say something to you that I've been trying to say since the day we started this thing, really since the day uh, God called me to pastor. I, I don't have much more time with you. I've got one more Sunday with you. I want to say to you what I've been trying to say for as long as God's allowed me to say it. Don't waste your life on yourself because you were created for something so much greater than that. And listen, do you understand how, how absolutely radical that statement that I just made sounds in the culture in which we live? In a culture that is all about uh, self-gratification, self-absorption, selfies. And, and to say to you, don't waste your life on yourself. Listen, if that sounds strange to you, can I just remind you that Jesus said it way before I did? Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. He who has found his life will lose it. If this is your life, if this is what you're living for, you know, get all you can while you can, as long as you can, until you kick the can. If that's what this is about, then you're going to lose that. It's going away. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. To live it for the glory of God. To, to say, God, whatever all this life brings, I'm in for you. I want to live for your honor and for your glory. Peter says... That's a great life. It's a life filled with purpose and meaning and, yes, joy. And better than that, God promised you an eternity undefiled, preserved, reserved in heaven for you. And you can thank God for it. Trials aren't easy, but as we heard today from 1 Peter chapter 1, God actually uses our trials and our response to our trials to develop our walk with Him to a greater degree, which results in greater spiritual maturity, ultimately leading to a greater treasure in heaven. Added to that is this task that all followers of Jesus have been given to glorify God. We may have different giftings, different callings, but the same task, to glorify God with our lives. It gives all of us purpose and meaning to our lives. So, it really is possible to thank God for the trials we face and the task we've been given. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross-culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship, a community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person, real people who truly care, solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.